The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Previously on Grandpa's Globe, Grandpa, Dante, and the twins confronted Captain Drake and his Blackfeather crew off the coast of Argentina. There, Drake was stockpiling his latest treasures, along with the magical Globetrotter artifacts he's been collecting from around the world. Grandpa and the twins heard a couple of Drake's men mention his next target, a magical lantern. Determined to slow Drake down from getting to that target or any other target, they broke the tillers of the ships so that they couldn't steer. Before Grandpa and the twins could sneak away, their wheelchair was stolen and Grandma had to come rescue them using the globe. When they got home, Dante was sitting next to them in the living room. And now for episode 10, Saudi Arabia and the Lantern of Lost Souls. Grandma dove for her sword on the living room floor, picked it up, and pointed it at Dante, who sat casually on the end of the couch with his legs up on the table. Kip! There's a pirate in our house! Grandma yelled. I'm not a pirate, Dove, Dante said with a smile, his hands held up in playful surrender. Oh, yeah? Grandma took a step closer and pointed the sword at Dante's chest. Then what's with the stupid hat and the tight pants, huh? Dante looked genuinely offended. Oh, come on. How many times do I have to tell you people it's a cavalier hat and these pants aren't that tight? Yes, they are, Grandpa assured him. Dante shot him an irritated look. You think these are tight? You should have seen Faustino's pants. The man could barely bend his legs. Enough, Grandma interrupted. He's not a pirate, Grandma, Susie said. He's been helping us try to stop Drake in the Black Feather. I can't say he was much help when we were thrown overboard, Grandpa snarled. Yeah, what the heck, man, Sawyer agreed. You were just going to let us drown back there? After you froze me? Froze you? Grandma tightened her grip on her sword. Ah, 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 Dante scooted back up on the couch. It was an accident. And I tried to come for you, mate, but Drake stepped in my way. I had no choice but to fight him. How did you get here? Susie asked. Dante grinned and his thin mustache stretched across his handsome face. I was waiting for someone to ask me that. You see, Dove, old Dante's a quick one, he is. When I saw this old lady here spin that globe, I knew you were all about to disappear. So I pushed through the crew and touched your arm. Then, That was a terrible impression, Sawyer noted. Grandma stared down at her arm in disgust. I thought there was one too many hands on me. So what now? 
Dante helped himself to a bowl of peanut M&Ms on the table, and Grandpa tried to smack his hand away. But Dante just smacked his hand right back before tossing the M&Ms into his mouth. Mmm, these are delicious, Dante said, tasting M&Ms for the first time. How do they do it? I still have a sword pointing at you, bub, Grandma reminded him. Right, Dante brushed off his gloved hands. It's simple, really. We need to find the Lantern of Lost Souls before Drake can get to it, and then we use it to reunite the Globetrotters across the world. Together, we will stop the Black Feather from plundering this planet a thousand times over. But why does Drake want this lantern so badly? Sawyer asked. He's already got a bunch of the Globetrotter artifacts. He's an obsessed collector, Susie said. He won't be satisfied until he's collected them all. Gotta catch them all, Pokemon, Sawyer quietly sang to himself. That's partly right, Dante said, pointing at Susie. Drake is obsessed with collecting the magical artifacts, but not just because they're shiny and rare like the rest of his piles of treasure. The artifacts aren't about wealth. They add to his power. They give him an advantage over the good guys. The Lantern of Lost Souls is said to be a beacon that summons globetrotters wherever they may be. And why would he want to do that? Grandpa asked. Well, old man, I suppose it'd be a lot more efficient to get all of your enemies together in one place to destroy them, instead of having to hunt them down one by one, eh? There was a brief silence as the unsettling thought washed over them. Then we have no choice, Grandpa said, forcefully slapping his knee and starting to get up. We need to get to that lantern before he does. Come on, no time to lose. Grandpa winced in pain and fell back onto the couch. Grandma rushed over to him. I don't think so, Kip. Look at you, you're a disaster. I don't want to know half the stuff you've been doing on that back. The doctor said you are supposed to be taking it easy. You've done anything but since we've been home. You're staying here. Then we'll go find the lantern, Sawyer proposed, pointing to him and Susie. We can do it, Susie said, sitting tall. Grandma shook her head. Do you even know where you're going? The lantern is said to be hidden somewhere in Saudi Arabia, Dante jumped in. I'm sure we can find it with a little help from this. He pulled out the magical magnifying glass and twirled it in his fingers. Grandma looked at Grandpa. You trust this Yahoo? Nah, sort of. Grandma looked back at Dante. Okay, here's the deal. You will go with my grandbabies, but if so much as a hair is lost on their precious heads, I'll bury you. Literally. Dante's eyes widened. Being buried by an old lady. That's what I call motivation. He jumped to his feet and straightened his feathered hat. What are we waiting for? Shall we? Susie grabbed the guidebook off the bookshelf and opened it to the chapter on Saudi Arabia. We've already got our first instructions, she said, slamming the book shut and throwing it into her backpack. Aren't you going to come? Sawyer asked Grandma. 
I can't, sweet cheeks. I need to go back and get that wheelchair that someone left behind. She shot Grandpa a nasty look, and he shriveled into the couch cushions. That wheelchair is more powerful than a fleet of nuclear submarines. I don't want to think of what it can do in the wrong hands. Here, the three of you use the globe first to get to Saudi Arabia, and then I'll take it with me to globe jump back to Argentina. You've only got a few hours before four o'clock. You think you can make it? <laughs> Grandma, haven't you seen me run around your backyard? Sawyer said with a cocky smirk. I'm like a blur. I have, and half the time you're tripping over yourself and face-planting in the grass. True, but the other half, I'm as fast as lightning. Flash! We'll be back by three. He held up three fingers. Sawyer, we can't travel back until we see a clock strike four, Susie reminded him. We'll be back at four, Sawyer corrected, adding a finger to his count. Grandma patted him on the shoulder. Good boy. Oh, I almost forgot. She ran over and dug something out of a nearby chest. A moment later, she returned holding an old sock. It looked like she dug it out of the trash. Take this with you. It'll come in handy. For what, giving us athlete's foot? Sawyer said with a scrunched face. Disgusted, he carefully took it out of her hands with two fingers. Oh, seriously, Grandma, this thing reeks. Hey, I've been looking for that thing, Grandpa moaned. Oh, can it, Kip? You've got plenty of socks, Grandma told him. She looked back at Sawyer. Use it to clear a room. I'm pretty sure we can clear a whole town with this puppy. Yikes, Gramps. What, did you hike the Appalachian Trail in this thing? Twice, actually, Grandpa said proudly. Thanks, Grandma, Susie said with some uncertainty. We'll take good care of it. Grandma smiled. Good, now be safe. She gave them both a kiss on the cheek. Then Sawyer, Susie, and Dante turned to face the globe on the table. Susie gave it a good spin. Take us to Saudi Arabia, she whispered to it. A country glowed on the surface of the globe, and the three of them joined hands before Susie touched it. The spinning tornado of darkness subsided, and Sawyer, Susie, and Dante found themselves staring out at an enormous city from hundreds of feet in the air. Sawyer immediately felt his stomach lurch as he looked down. Susie, I'm flying! I'm flying! He said, flapping his arms. Dante pushed his arms down. Keep it down, you strange child, he said, glancing over his shoulders. You're not flying, lad. We're inside a building. Sawyer glanced around and noticed that he was indeed standing in a narrow room. The wall in front of him was almost entirely made up of big slanted windows. Oh, he said, calming down. Susie opened the guidebook and read the first paragraph that appeared on the page. We're in the sky bridge, she read. It's a glass bridge at the top of the Kingdom Tower in Saudi Arabia's capital, Riyadh. Hmm. Susie kept reading down the page. That's weird. It usually tells us where we're supposed to go. But right now, all that's popping up are facts about Saudi Arabia. It's like I always said, Dove. Books are useless. 
Dante said, waving dismissively at the guidebook. I didn't read none books and look how got I is. Yeah, really worked out for you, didn't it? Sawyer said sarcastically. Dante ignored him and pulled out the magnifying glass. Let's just cut to the chase. Those broken tillers won't slow Drake down for long, trust me. Cleopatra's armies couldn't keep that man from getting what he wanted. He held up the magnifying glass and spoke to it. Show us where the Lantern of Lost Souls is. In a whirl of magic, the magnifying glass zoomed in to show an enormous tomb cut into the face of a cliff in the middle of a desert. After a few seconds, the magnifying glass zoomed again and showed a dark room inside the tomb where the lantern dimly glowed on a stone platform. Ah, Alula, I should have known, Dante said, stroking his mustache. A few natives dressed in white robes and wearing a checkered headcloth walked onto the sky bridge and gave the musketeer-clad man strange looks. He hissed at them and they scurried away. Come on, then, Dante said to the kids. You can teach us about Saudi Arabia on our way. The three of them headed down the elevator and looked back up at the Kingdom Tower once they were outside. It was huge, and the top looked like it had two horns that were connected by the sky bridge. Sawyer couldn't believe they were up that high. While Dante tried and failed to hail a cab by waving his sword through the air and yelling, HALT! Susie read about Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is a large country in the Middle East, right across the Red Sea from Egypt. The Saudi people speak Arabic. Whoa, so that's what that cool writing is? Sawyer pointed to a sign hanging over the street that had sharp, waving letters. They looked more like cool, swooping drawings than the letters he was used to. Yep, Susie confirmed. Saudi Arabia is a very religious place. The majority of the people are Muslim, and they pray five times a day to their god. Once at dawn, then noon, mid-afternoon, sunset, and after dark. When they pray, they bow down and face Mecca. It's one of the holiest places for Islam and is found here in Saudi Arabia. It holds the Kaaba, a large cube-shaped shrine in the middle of the most important mosque in Mecca. They believe it was originally built by their prophet Abraham and his son Ishmael. What is the difference between Muslim and Islam? Sawyer asked. Susie read further down the page. A Muslim means one who submits to God, and it refers to a follower of Islam. Islam is the name of their religion. Cool. A few feet away, Dante was still having no luck shouting at cabs and waving his sword around like a maniac. So Susie continued, Saudi Arabia is also known as one of the world's major producers of oil and natural gas. Oh, this is interesting. It's also home to the largest sand desert in the world, called the Rub al-Khali. It's also the largest country in the world not to have a river. What do you call those clothes that they're wearing? Sawyer asked, nodding to the people in the streets. Many of the men were wearing white robes, and on their heads they wore a piece of cloth, draped down over the sides of their faces and the back of their heads. The fabric was tied down by a ring of black cord on the top of the head that kept the cloth in place. Susie skimmed through the chapter. It says the men are dressed in thob, an ankle-length, long-sleeved garment, and on their heads is the gutra. 
The woman... She nodded to a couple of women walking down the street wearing black robe-like dresses that only revealed their hands and face. Some of the women had all but their eyes and hands covered. They are wearing abaya, she said, admiring the women as they nodded to her. Prancing up and down the curb next to her, Dante was starting to lose his temper as cabs kept passing him by. He'd resorted to shouting at them and then begged the magnifying glass to show him how it was done. No! Show me how to stop a cab, not a cat! Blast this thing! Sawyer finally walked over to him, put his hand on his shoulder, held up a finger for him to wait, and then let out a long, loud whistle. Almost immediately, a cab came screeching to a halt in front of them. Dante stared at it, sweat dripping down his face. By the end of this trip, boy, you're teaching me how to do that, all right, see? You got it, Sawyer said, motioning for Dante to get in the cab. He and Susie hopped in after him. Meanwhile, in Argentina, Grandma appeared out of thin air in the harbor next to Captain Drake's ships. The glow poking out of her samurai armor chestplate slowly spun to a stop, and she drew her sword. The sounds of angry pirates filled the harbor as the Black Feather crew scrambled to fix the boat's tillers. Carefully, Grandma snuck onto the first ship, what she thought would be the obvious choice for finding the wheelchair, and started her search. The big black ship was Captain Drake's, and it loomed like an ominous shadow in front of the other two. Holding to dark corners and empty corridors, she made her way through the ship, jumping out of the way before a few pirates came frantically running around the corner. She continued on, but again someone was approaching. Grandma tried to jump into a nearby room, but in her hurry she knocked into a lantern making it crash to the floor. She quickly scurried out of sight just as an enormous bald pirate came running into the hall. The mammoth man stopped abruptly, having heard the lantern crash. Like a confused caveman, his eyes glared down at the broken glass under his thick unibrow. They traced the shattered glass into the nearby room. His unibrow shot up. Well, well, what do we have here? He whispered as he took his first steps towards the room. A voice echoing down the corridor stopped him. Come on, you nit! What are you waiting for? Inches away, just behind the other side of the wall, Grandma held her breath. Conflicted, the huge pirate looked at the room and back down the hall where he should be. But I found something, he called back in a stubborn, childlike tone. You always find something, the voice shouted back. Probably just rats again. Now get moving. The captain sees you loafing about. You'll be finding things at the bottom of the sea giving the room one last longing glance, the big bald pirate grumbled and then ran down the hall. I find all sorts of nice things, Grandma could hear him say as he lumbered away. She let out a long breath and then checked the hall before continuing on. A few turns later, she reached what she thought would be the treasure room, but instead found nothing but stacked crates of food and supplies. Dang, must be in the next ship, she thought. She turned to leave, but stopped when she heard a booming voice coming from above. You don't think I know that? roared the voice. 
I know him better than anyone. He's probably already to the lantern by now. And you blubbering swine are still trying to fix the tillers. It was the captain. Grandma was sure of it. His quarters must be right above the storage room. She quickly climbed up a stack of crates to get a better listen. They're almost done, sir, stuttered a pirate in the room. We still have a chance to beat him. I doubt he even knows where the lantern is. And you do? The captain bellowed. Well, the scrolls say that it's in Saudi Arabia, likely hidden in the tombs of Al-Ula. Grandma mouthed the words Al-Ula. She knew exactly where that was. The scrolls, Drake spat. They better be right, Hector. Your life depends on it. If it is in Saudi Arabia, I'm sure Dante is already there. How, Captain? He just left your ship. Because he's Dante, you twit! He stumbles off a cliff and somehow finds himself in the right place! And there was something about those little ones and that old man. They know things. If you say so... I know so! Drake snapped. I've been around long enough to know these things. Tell the crew to be ready to set the globe for Saudi Arabia. It'll be one of our last stops before Antarctica. Antarctica, sir? I thought the other treasure was in Scotland. The greatest of treasures lies in the ice of Antarctica. But you can't get to it without what's in Scotland. And you need the lantern in Saudi Arabia because... I'll worry about the lantern, you fool. You worry about getting those tillers fixed. Make sure those who aren't working on them are prepping the cannons. Go! Grandma listened as the nervous mate's footsteps scurried out of the room and bolted across the deck. Oh no, she thought. They know where they are. Quietly, she climbed down from the crates and made her way to the brown ship. Back in Saudi Arabia, Dante and the twins were in the back seat of the cab, enjoying plates of Saudi food they'd stopped to pick up. Sawyer was chomping down on a delicious martabak, which was like a stuffed fried pancake. Susie was digging into a bowl of kabsa, a yummy spiced rice dish topped with camel meat. Really? Dante said, looking at the two of them. We're racing to get to the lantern before Captain Drake, and you're here stuffing your pudgy little faces? Easy, Dante, Sawyer said. Normally, the guidebook makes us travel at super speed, but it isn't, so obviously it can't be in that big of a hurry to get us where we're going. Why not enjoy the ride? But we have to be back at four. That's only an hour away. Susie set down her food and opened the guidebook. Maybe we missed something, and that's why it's in no hurry to get us there. She flipped through the chapter and noticed one of the paragraphs changing from black ink to red. Uh-oh. Dante frowned. Uh-oh, what? Susie winced. I did miss something. What? The other two said. We were supposed to stop by the Mazmac Fortress to pick up a clay brick? Susie read. At this, the driver glanced up at them through the rearview mirror. The Mazmac Fortress is kilometers in the other direction, he told them. Great, Sawyer muttered. 
Then punch it. We're in a hurry, Susie told the man. With a sharp turn of the wheel, the driver swerved the car around and headed in the other direction. Once they were oriented, the cab gave a sudden jolt and everyone flew back into their seats as the world outside the windows blurred by. When they stopped in front of the fortress a minute later, the driver was gripping his steering wheel and breathing heavily. We'll be right back, Sawyer told him as they hopped out of the car. Outside, the twins marveled at the smooth clay and mud brick fort. Like a giant sandcastle, the Mazmec fortress stood out among the modern buildings of the city around it. Trying to make up for lost time, Dante and the twins ran inside and followed the guidebook's directions to a secluded room, away from the museum displays. There was a pile of discarded clay bricks laying in the corner of the room. It says to take one of these with us to the tombs of Al-Ula, Susie said. That's interesting. It says the fortress was captured by Abdulaziz al-Saud in the Battle of Riyadh who went on to unite the different provinces and kingdoms that made up most of Saudi Arabia. That's lovely, Dove, but we don't have time to read books, Dante said, discreetly tucking one of the clay bricks into the bowl of his cavalier hat and putting it back on his head. Not reading carefully is what caused our delay in the first place, Susie said with a raised eyebrow. I have a backpack, you know. She nodded to the brick Dante was trying to conceal under his hat. This'll work just fine, he said defensively. You'd be shocked to hear some of the stuff I've hidden in this thing. There we are. Let's go. As they made their way out of the fortress, Sawyer tried to teach Dante how to whistle. You just put these two fingers up to your mouth like this. Like that? Dante tried to mimic him. Yeah, like that. Now pinch and blow. Ouch! What happened? I pinched my tongue. Why'd you do that? Just pinch your fingers together, like this, then blow. Dante did as he was told and blew vigorously, but ended up blowing spit on a few tourists passing by. Sorry, sorry, he called after them. We'll get there, Sawyer assured him, giving him a pat on the shoulder. Outside in the cab, their driver in the yellow headdress was having an intense conversation on his cell phone and quickly hung up when he saw Dante and the twins appear. They hopped back into his cab and set off in a blur for Al-Ula. Back in Argentina, Grandma was searching the treasure room of Drake's brown ship for Grandpa's wheelchair. The sounds of laughing men and strange noises were coming from the back room off the far end of the treasure room. Trying to stay low and not trip over the ridiculous piles of coins and gems, Grandma snuck over to the room and peeked inside. She found two goons playing with the wheelchair, mashing buttons and laughing every time it did something. Most recently, the goon sitting in the chair had figured out the bouncy wheel function and was bouncing around the room while laughing hysterically. Hey, fellas, Grandma said, interrupting their fun. The man abruptly stopped the chair from bouncing and hopped up. Hurry you, he growled. What do you want, said the other. Grandma stepped into the room and they noted her strange samurai armor. I'm supposed to be out there helping the others with the tiller, but I couldn't help but hear you two in here playing with this thing. She pointed to the wheelchair and then glanced over her shoulders. I've been playing with it too when no one's looking. The two pirates eased up a little. 
If you want, I can show you a few tricks I learned on that thing, Grandma added. The pirates exchanged a look. Fine, the short one said. Just make sure you don't make too much noise. We don't want Captain finding out and ruining our fun. Believe me, I don't either, Grandma assured him. Besides, I'm not sure I could make more noise if I tried. You two are as loud as elephants down here. Whatever, just show us what you got. Grandma casually sat down in her chair and turned it towards the short one. Okay, she said, rubbing her hands together. This one is inspired by one of my favorite comic books. What's a comic book? The short pirate asked, looking at his mate who just shrugged at him. Just spread your legs wide and hold your arms up and out like you're a starfish, Grandma told him. <laughs> I can do that, the pirate chuckled. I've seen plenty of starfish, see? The pirate was quite proud of himself as he took the stance of a starfish. That's perfect, Grandma said. Now, say starfish. With a big smile on his face, the pirate said, Starfish! <laughs> Grandma pressed the button and a sticky net shot out of the wheelchair, wrapped itself around the pirate, and threw him back against the wall. Shrunk! The sticky net held him like a spider web. The pirate moaned. In a panic, the other pirate drew his sword, but Grandma had already turned the chair on him. Pop! She pressed another button, and a giant bubble expanded out of the chair and floated over the mate, not popping as it passed over him and his sharp sword. To the man's horror, the bubble thickened around him. He shouted at Grandma, but no sound escaped the bubble. He tried pounding on it, but it was impenetrable. Grandma shook her head. Honestly, boys, I'm surprised you didn't do this to yourselves already. She turned the chair and drove it out of the room. Toodaloo! As she drove out of the room, she could hear cheers coming from the crew on the other ships. They're fixed! They're fixed! She heard them shout. On the other side of the planet in Saudi Arabia, Dante and the twins stepped out of the cab that was now parked in the middle of a sandy desert and marched up towards the tomb Dante had seen in the magnifying glass. The tombs of Alula were spectacular. This one in particular was something to behold. It looked like someone had stamped the face of an Egyptian palace into the side of a massive orange rock. As they walked up to it, Dante kept glancing over his shoulder back at their driver, who was again on his cell phone. Is it just me, or is that man up to something? He's definitely up to something, Susie confirmed, not bothering to look back herself. She'd noticed the suspicious looks the driver had given them in the cab. But we need him to get back to the city in time to look at a clock. She glanced down at her watch. Shoot, we only have 30 minutes. What do you call that thing he's holding up to his face? Dante asked. The twins exchanged a funny look. You mean the cell phone? Sawyer said. Ah, cell phone. Peculiar name. It appears to be some form of communication device. Ah, uh, yeah? Susie said, unable to believe that this grown man had never heard of a cell phone before. <clears throat> Sorry, Dante said. I'm a little behind the times. To change the subject, he went back to trying Sawyer's whistle for the hundredth time. 
What? Come on, no. Are you trying to eat your fingers? Sawyer said. Don't stick them so far in your mouth. Just put them in there a little, like this, and blow. Sawyer whistled and it echoed off the rocky ruins. Dante tried again and spit in Sawyer's face. I think I heard something on that one. Shaking his head, Sawyer wiped away the spit and followed Susie into the tomb. Inside the rocky tomb, everything was dark and dusty. The ceilings were low and the ground was still sand. There was only one room. What the heck? Sawyer said when he took a look around. This is it? Did Drake already beat us to it? Susie wondered aloud. No, 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 no. Dante paced the room. Impossible! This is the place, I swear it! This is the tomb the magnifying glass showed me. But this room, it looks different. Maybe there's another room? Susie opened the guidebook and watched instructions appear on the page. To unite the family, it takes just one. The walls of support must be redone. Sawyer threw his hands up. Oh, so it does riddles now. Great, just great. To unite the family, it takes just one, Dante mumbled to himself. The walls of support must be redone. Susie smiled. Dante, hand me that brick. Dante gladly took the clay brick out from under his hat and handed it to her. Susie held it out and began marching around the room. One of these walls must be missing a brick. A look of realization crossed Dante and Sawyer's faces. They joined in the search and scoured the room, looking for a hole. Sawyer ran his hands along the far wall. That's really clever, Suze, but I'm not sure making a wall stronger is going to help us find another room. What do you suggest? We throw the brick at a wall and see if it knocks it down? <laughs> well, no. I'm just saying, I don't see how this is gonna... Wait, I've got something. Susie and Dante ran over to him. Sawyer was poking cobwebs out of a square hole in the wall. His fingers shot back as a big black scorpion came crawling out of it. Hush! I almost stuck my hand in there, Sawyer said, holding his hand as if it were something precious. Okay, Susie got in position. Here it goes. The room went quiet as she pushed the clay brick into the square slot. Once it was in place, they looked around the room and then at each other. Nothing was happening. Well, that was disappointing, Dante finally said. I hope carrying that brick around on my head wasn't for nothing. Susie gave him a blank look. Again, I had a backpack. Man, it's hot, Sawyer groaned. All that whistling's taken a lot out of me. How about we just take a breather and give Susie some time to think through this? Yes, Dante, that means I have zero faith that you or I could figure this out. No offense taken, Dante said, failing again to whistle through his fingers. Sawyer plopped down on the ground and leaned back against the wall, his head resting on the loose brick. As he did, the brick pushed an inch further and clicked. A low rumble sounded beyond the wall. Sawyer, Susie whispered. Sawyer waved her away. 
Suze, how many times do I have to tell you I know my body makes some weird noises, but that was not me. Sawyer! Sawyer opened his eyes and saw his sister pointing to the wall next to him that now had an open doorway in it. Oh, he said simply. He hopped to his feet and the three of them stepped through the doorway into the next room. This room was much larger, with high ceilings and curved walls. A single ray of sunlight broke through a crack above and shone down on a platform holding a small lantern. A tiny flame flickered within its glass. The Lantern of Lost Souls, Dante whispered. They stepped carefully towards it. Hold on, Sawyer stopped them. Doesn't this seem too easy? I mean, seriously, we've all seen enough movies to know that the second we grab that thing, this floor's gonna break away or poisonous darts are gonna come firing out of the walls. How about this? Dante held up a gloved hand. If darts come firing out of these walls, I'll quickly jump onto your body to shield you from them, eh? Sawyer was touched by the suggestion. You'd do that for me? No. Now stand back while I get it. Dante stepped up to the platform and slowly reached out for the lantern. Sawyer's warning wasn't helping much. Dante was now second-guessing everything. Was the room booby-trapped? He closed his eyes and carefully took hold of the lantern's handle. Once it was in his hands, he peeked out with one eye to make sure nothing terrible was happening around him. Relieved to find the room much the same, he opened his eyes and stepped down from the platform. See? No dot or any His hand clasped the side of his neck and he stumbled. Dante! The kids cried. Dante stopped and pointed at them. Gotcha! You're awful, Susie said, shaking her head. Sawyer laughed. <laughs> Good one. Back in Argentina, Grandma was just about to leave the brown ship when she heard the captain shout to his crew. Grab hold of the ship, you maggots! We're gonna jump! The deck rattled with the sound of footsteps as pirates scrambled to grab hold of something. Seconds later, the ship gave a hard jolt and then stopped, nearly making Grandma topple over in the wheelchair. She looked around confused. Were they hit? Were they being attacked? She drove the wheelchair up to the nearest porthole and looked out. Her eyes bulged. Instead of seeing the harbor outside, she saw an endless ocean of sand. In the tomb, Susie glanced down at her watch. We only have five minutes to get to a clock, you guys. Come on, we have to run back to the cab. As the three of them ran out of the room, they came skidding to a stop. Blocking the tomb's exit were five men, all wearing yellow headdresses and holding swords. Their cab driver stood among them. Hand us the lantern, their cab driver said, holding out his hand. Dante drew a sword. I'm sorry, mates, but we can't do that. Kiddies, get behind me. I'm in no mood to get buried by your grandma. Sawyer and Susie did as he said, shuffling behind Dante. We have been commissioned by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to protect this artifact, the driver explained. You holding it is in itself punishable by death. Give us the lantern and I will see what we can do to protect you from the law. 
He's lying, Sawyer said out of the corner of his mouth. Definitely, Susie agreed. Dante raised his sword. The lantern's ours, mates. Step aside. You leave us no choice, then, the driver said. He nodded to the other men, and they started walking towards them. In a flash, Sawyer whipped out the old sock Grandma had given him and put it over his hand. Get back, he shouted, using the sock as a sock puppet. The men stopped and looked at each other before bursting into laughter. Sawyer held up his sock puppet and made it shout, I mean it! I'm crazy! And I'll do crazy things! We believe you, their driver chuckled, continuing to step towards them. Give me that thing! Susie grabbed the sock off Sawyer's hand, folded it into a ball, and threw it at the men. <laughs> a green cloud burst from the sock and surrounded the men in a horrible stink. <coughs> I can't breathe, one of them coughed. Oh, smells terrible, cried another. My eyes, yelled the driver. The others cried out in Arabic. Go, 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 Sawyer said. The three of them held their breaths, squinted their eyes, and ran past the men out of the tomb. When they made it out, their celebration was cut short. We missed it, Susie said, looking down at her watch. It's 4.02. We missed our window. Uh, kitties, I think we have a bigger problem on our hands, Dante said, staring off into the desert. Sawyer and Susie weren't listening. Maybe we can drive the cab back into the city, spend the night, and then try to look at the clock tomorrow, Sawyer suggested. You guys, Dante interjected again. I don't think it works like that, Susie continued. We'll have to hide out in the city and call Grandma and Grandpa to come get us. A loud whistle echoed off the canyons around them. <whistles> Sawyer and Susie turned in surprise to see Dante holding two fingers in his mouth. Well, that felt really good, he said. I said we have a bigger problem on our hands. He pointed his sword at the desert, and the twins finally looked. Their jaws dropped. Sailing through the sand towards them were Captain Drake's three ships. Up ahead, Captain Drake stood on the bow of his black ship, holding a spyglass to his eye. Through it, he saw Dante and the twins standing outside a tomb, two deserted cabs in front of them. A cloud of green smoke billowed out of the tomb entrance behind them, making them easy to spot. The sun glared off his coin eye patch, and the coins on his long coat jingled as it swayed from the ship's movement. His ship, and the two behind it, sailed across the sand dunes, pitching down over the hills and crashing up over the crests, making huge splashes of sand around them. Clouds of sand kicked up high on all sides. Fire on that tube! Captain Drake roared. His men angled the cannons at the tomb up ahead and fired. Boom, 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 boom. Dante and the twins heard the faint cracking sound of cannon fire and then the approaching whistle of the cannonballs. Get down! Dante shouted. They dropped to the ground just in time for cannonballs to whiz over their heads and smash into the tomb behind them. Huge explosions of rock and dust rattled the tomb, sending massive chunks of stone crashing down around them. Boom, 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 boom! Another round of cannon fire, and the outside of the tomb was completely destroyed, leaving nothing but a pile of rubble where the entrance had once been. Sawyer looked back at it in shock. 
dust caking his face. To the cab! Dante shouted over the commotion. The three of them jumped up and ran for one of the two cabs. Before they could reach it, boom, crash! A cannonball ripped into it and sent it spinning over their heads. I guess we'll take the other one, Dante said as the car smashed against the tomb and fell in a crumpled heap of metal and flames. Good call, Susie said. She and Sawyer both ran around to the driver's seat of the other cab. No way, Sawyer. You got to drive that ring car in Nigeria. It's my turn. Fine, but just so you know, I'm a terrible backseat driver. They both hopped in, Sawyer crawling over to the passenger seat, Dante strapping himself into the back, and Susie buckling up in the driver's seat. Susie was relieved to find the keys in the cup holder by her seat. She nervously grabbed them and turned the ignition. Her dad had let her drive in an abandoned parking lot once for fun, but they were going like two miles per hour. This would be a bit different. Everyone in the car, including Susie, screamed as she slammed on the gas and the car swerved through the sand. Seconds later, two cannonball clouds shot up from the ground where the cab was parked. Back on Drake's ship, Grandma was fighting off the Black Feather crew on deck. They discovered her shortly after arriving in the desert, and she'd been putting up a fight ever since. She clashed swords with one pirate while fending off several more using the wheelchair's gadgets. Pow! The boxing glove shot out and punched away a pirate. Cling! She clashed swords with another. Fing! She shot a net out at two more mates, and cling, clang, clash! She blocked a couple jabs from one to her right. That short pirate, trapped in a bubble, was rolling around the deck like a hamster in a hamster ball, bonking into the mast and some of the pirates as he rolled. By this point, Grandma had heard the cannon fire and knew they must be close. They're getting away in a car! She heard one of the pirates laugh. At this, Grandma rocketed up off the deck and looked out over the sand. A trail of kicked up sand streaked off in the distance. The ships were turning to face it, still firing cannons in its direction. Holding tight, Grandma steered the wheelchair towards the fleeing cab and blasted off. The crew, including Captain Drake, watched in awe as she soared through the sky. Up ahead, Dante and Sawyer were crying in their seats and holding on for dear life while Susie swerved the car through the dunes, jumping over hills and nearly sending them into a roll at every sharp turn. We're gonna die, Sawyer cried. I still haven't been to Disneyland, Dante whimpered. Will you two calm down, Susie shouted. You're freaking me out. Pillars of sand shot up around the cab as cannonballs tore into the dunes around them. Honk. Something hit the roof of the cab and made it cave in. We're hit, Dante yelled. We're gonna die, Sawyer cried even louder. His cries faded, however, as the sight of a wheelchair came rolling into view on the cab's windshield. Grandma, Susie shouted. Using the wheelchair's sticky wheels feature, Grandma parked the wheelchair on the car's hood. And then, very carefully, she crawled towards the passenger side window. Susie slowed the car so she could hop in. Dante and the twins looked at the older woman in shock as she nimbly made her way into the car and onto Sawyer's lap like Spider-Man. She let out a sigh and shook the sand out of her frizzy hair. Did you get the lantern? She asked out of breath. Sawyer nodded. Obviously, you got the wheelchair, Susie noted, trying to peek around it as she drove. Dante still couldn't believe his eyes. 
I want to be just like your grandma, he said. Join the club, Susie told him. Grandma spun the globe poking out of her samurai armor and said, Please take us home. A spot glowed on the globe's surface, and everyone put a hand on Grandma as she reached out to touch the globe. <laughs> Captain Drake watched in horror as the cabin wheelchair vanished in a poof of sand in his spyglass. Gradually, the cannon fire stopped, the ship slowed, and the sound of Captain Drake's furious roar echoed off the canyons before fading into the desert. Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Grandpa's Globe. That could possibly be the longest episode that's ever been put out by the Purple Rocket. But I hope I made it worth your time. I want to take a second to give a shout out to some very special Rocketeers, some of our patrons. Calvin in Pueblo. Calvin! I know you, Calvin. I know you. He's my nephew. Full disclosure. Calvin, love you, buddy. And Amira and Shy from Napa, California. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your support. I hear you're fans of Grandpa's Globe, so I hope you like this episode. And Bronwyn and Rowan, some of our other patrons, thank you so much, you guys, for your support. Not just for listening to the show, but for becoming patrons. For those who haven't heard, the Purple Rocket Podcast is now on Patreon, so you can support us by going to patreon.com slash purplerocketpodcast and sign up. Send me a message if you have any questions about it. And don't forget, Rocketeers, to tell your friends and families about these episodes. Let's share these stories and keep your minds busy during this pandemic. Thank you all so much for listening. Till next time, Rocketeers, this is your host, Greg Webb.